All right, all right. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesday night service, everybody. Good to see you on the house of the Lord tonight. We are going to have an awesome, awesome time together. Of course, we're just a few days away from Easter Sunday, the resurrection day, and it is going to be an incredible celebration. So, amen, we're going to have a great time. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight, and we're going to open up by speaking some faith over the United States of America, because we do believe that America is coming to Jesus, no matter what it looks like, no matter what they say, we believe it. Amen. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight and you may be seated. All right. Well, we got a lot of announcements here, so I'm going to try to move quickly so we leave time for everything else. But uh, check it out. Of course, this Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we've got the invitations back there. Who in here has invited somebody already? All right. That's good. All right. Now, I printed out about 700 invites, and I've still got a little bit left. So let's get those out the door. We don't want any of them left. Go ahead, and if you've got to pass them out at the store or whatever. But I also would encourage you, uh, go online to some of these local uh, Barstow Facebook pages. Invite people on there. That's always been a big success for us. And why are we so adamant about it? Because we are preaching the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ on Sunday. Amen. And we want to tell everybody we can that Jesus is alive and he's coming soon and we want to be ready. Amen. All right. And now Saturday is setup day. Uh, I believe from nine to noon. Am I right on that, Leah? Okay. Nine, James, all right. Nine to noon. And, um, so if you're available, come on out. They're, they're setting up a lot of different things and uh, finishing up eggs and stuff like that. So if you're available Saturday, nine to noon, and I believe I heard tale that there will be donuts or something like that. So not that you would need donuts to bribe you to help. But some do, okay? No, but it's not you guys, other people, all right? And so uh, moving on, uh, this coming Tuesday, all right, uh, Victor Valley Christian School. Uh, so this is a, a unique opportunity. Um, we're going to have the principal, Pastor Sarah Mays from Victor Valley. She wants to come and give a little presentation, answer any questions, and give you information. It's an interest night. Lots of people are asking about other educational opportunities. And uh, and so our children go to Victor Valley Christian, and so do Josh's. And they're, uh, they're not making any promises, but they're gauging how many Barstow people are interested. Perhaps there's a way to work out some carpooling or transportation. So anyway, this is an interest night, and uh, and it's not just for our church, anybody in, in Barstow that would possibly be interested. Come on out, and even if you think, well, we could never make that happen, just come out and, and, and listen and find out some information, okay? It'll be a great night. Uh, servant leadership next Thursday, the 21st at 6.30. And then, of course, if you already serve in the church or you're like, I'd like to go to a deeper level. I'd like to help out more. I'd like to help plan things, whatever. This is a, this is all about that, building teams and getting the job done. So next Thursday at 6.30. And then here comes a big one. 
For the married people, where's my married people at? All right? And all the single people are like... It's, it's good. We love you. you know, we're here for you, all right? We're going to get you married someday. But until then, uh, we have Marriage Refresh Weekend coming up. And that's going to be the last weekend of this month, Friday and Saturday, the 29th and 30th. And it's going to be an awesome time of just pouring into your marriage, teaching, I'm sure games and all sorts of fun things. But uh, the cost is $50 a couple because we're catering outside food, restaurant food, and we're providing child care for your kids so you don't even have to go find a babysitter. How cool is that? So uh, we would like you to register online, hgwc.org slash married. Go ahead and get on there. And uh, that's going to be an awesome, awesome time. The National Day of Prayer is going to be Tuesday, May 5th at 7 p.m. Now, uh, we're, we're having our own event that night. Um, as far as I know, um, I, don't, I haven't seen any citywide things. but uh, So we want to make sure that we don't miss it this year because it kind of got skipped over last year. So Tuesday, May 5th, 7 p.m., we're going to have some worship and prayer right here. Anybody can come. All right? You can invite people. That's fine. But if not, we'll just have a good old time praying that night and worshiping God. All right? And then uh, mother-daughter banquet Saturday, May 7th at 11 a.m. Uh, the tickets are $12 for adults, $10 for uh, 10 and under. The theme is singing in the rain. All right? And uh, th- there's games and prizes and all food and all sorts of fun stuff. All right? And then, of course, Mother's Day weekend is that weekend. Guys, are we ready for this? Men, you got a gift picked out? You do. I don't believe you. I, <laughs> that, that, that was not believable. But hey, you, we're gonna do good. We we've still got a little time. Get your ladies a good gift, and it'll be a, a really great weekend. All right. I think that's all the announcements. I tried to blast through it because I've been taking a long time on these. All right. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, sir. It's happy time. If you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get you one. Let's look tonight at Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs 3, amen. If you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. Who had a good time with Dana and Liz Nile on Sunday? Yeah, man. I love those guys. I'm so glad that he shared the story about uh, the adoption of their daughter. He's shared that with me before, and I was always hoping he would share it here at church. But what a cool story of how the Lord brought that all together. So we love them and, and praise God. All right, so Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I'm in the NLT here. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much of your heart? All of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And that is, uh, that can be a difficult thing, but it's what the Bible tells us to do. Because there's a lot of things that God's going to tell you to do that you're not going to understand. You know, hey, give 10% of your income into the storehouse and I will rebuke the devourer. Well, I don't understand that. Hey, don't depend on your own understanding. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. And when we do it, oh boy, good things start to happen to us, all right? And so look what happens here. You, if you seek his will in all you do, he will, as the King James says, direct thy paths, but he will show you which path to take. And man, there's a lot of confused people. A lot of people say, man, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what's going to happen next. They're predicting a recession by September and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, you know what? 
whatever happens out there, I am trusting in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I am seeking His will in all I do. He's directing my paths. He's blessing my finances. He's blessing my family. He's blessing my health. He's blessing my job. Can I get an amen tonight? Yes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together. And we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and offerings. And we're going to bring it up. And then let's get into some praise and worship tonight, man. The boys have been up here. I saw them stretching out. They're getting ready to get into this, all right? I don't know, I don't know what calisthenics has to do with, uh, with you know, playing guitar. But Greg was really getting it a minute ago, right? Yeah, see? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we're going to have a good time, all right? Let's say this before I say anything else weird. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today... We believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us at the altar as we worship. Sing to the Lord a new song. Lift up his name with joyful praise. Sing of his sweet salvation. Morning to night and day to day. Lift up your voice and God provides our every need. Worship the God of mercy, who gave his life to set us free. Our God is greatly to be praised. Nothing in all the earth compares to him, the God of glory and of grace. Our God is great, our God is great. Boast in the resurrection In Jesus Christ who rose and reigns Our God is greatly to be praised Nothing in all the earth compares to Him The God of glory and of grace Our God is great, our God is great Creation joins to praise Him Sinners found salvation. Our God is great. Our God is great. The Church of Christ proclaims it. Our God is great. Our God is great. His kingdom shouts and sings it. Our 
Voices up. Let's raise our hands to him for a minute tonight. 
Lord, we love you, and we desire to be in your presence. We desire to be near you, Lord. We thank you that you allow us to be in your presence, that that the curtain has been torn, and we can come boldly into that throne of grace and obtain favor and, and help in our time of need. We can come boldly to you anytime, Lord, and you don't reject us, Lord. You welcome us into your presence. We love you, Lord, and we know it's certainly not because we deserve it. It's because you are so good. Your grace is amazing and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you are. We love you so much, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise together tonight? Amen. Amen. God is so good to us. Amen. All right. Well, Love to sit there and bask in that a little longer, but we're going to go ahead and get into the word tonight. Amen. Uh, so uh, just to catch you up, what we have started here is we have begun an expository study on the book of First Corinthians. And uh, so we've been tonight's going to be part six. And uh, and so, uh, you know, what I normally like to do is I preach kind of what you would call a topical sermon. And uh, and I and I was like, you know what, we need to just do a nice, big, deep Bible study on uh, on on one of the New Testament books. And so I really felt the Lord leading me to study First Corinthians. And so as we've dove into First Corinthians, there's a lot of very interesting things in there that are sometimes difficult to understand. Like, you know, uh, are, do women have to wear head coverings when they're in church? Uh, is it wrong for a man to have long hair? Uh, and, and of course, we dealt with a, a whole plethora of different sexual sins that the Corinthians faced. And, uh, and the city of Corinth that Paul wrote to, just again, we're playing a little recap here really quick. Uh, it was the second longest city that Paul spent any time in. He's the longest city he was in was in Ephesus, where he established that church there. And of course, we got the book of Ephesians out of it, and it was awesome. And uh, and Corinth, he spent his second longest amount of time there. And uh, Corinth was a, a a very wild and pretty wicked city. And again, uh, uh, some theologians would call First and Second Corinthians First and Second Californians, and they kind of you know give a little dig at us. But but it would definitely be uh, much like a, as I have said, a modern day mix of Las Vegas and maybe San Francisco. Just a lot of you know crazy stuff going. Going on. And here's the deal is that the Christians of uh, the day, uh, you know, they were wanting to serve the Lord, but it was very difficult, you know, being surrounded by that sort of a culture. And when they were very much the minority, Christianity was a new thing. All right. And so it was difficult to fight a lot of those temptations and sins and the culture that absolutely surrounded them. And so Paul, uh, he wrote three letters to them, the first of which we sadly don't have a copy of, but hey, the Lord, you know, must have known we didn't need that one. So we've got uh, first and second Corinthians in our Bibles, and we've studied all the way up here today. We're going to be in chapter 13, which is a famous chapter of first Corinthians. You've probably got it on your refrigerator already if you're a good Christian. Who has... That was a joke, right? <laughs> we call it refrigerator verses, you know? You got your Philippians 4.13, it's a refrigerator verse. It's just a good verse that everybody knows and loves. But we've got uh, the, the love chapter of 1 Corinthians. And, you know, we all love to quote verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. And as John told me, his kids made up. And uh, I'm going to whip your behind or something like that. His, his, kids, his kids had their own interpretation. And I thought it was great. I thought, you know what? If I ever do the Pastor Dave Samples translation of the Bible, that's going in 1 Corinthians 13, all right? But anyway, uh, here we are, 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, 
a couple weeks ago is where we left off because I wasn't in here last week, but um, we looked at the gifts of the Spirit, which the Corinthians, they were all about. They loved it, and we love the gifts of the Spirit. We just want to do it the right way, right? And so we saw a little bit of that, and I'm going to go through chapter 13. It's not a very long chapter, and then we're going to look at chapter 14, which uh, is a long chapter and is a chapter that a lot of people do not understand. There are some confusing things in there for some people, and so we're going to uh, explain those tonight the best that we can and study it together, but again, this may be a little bit of a different type of message uh, than maybe some of them that you've heard. This is a expository, in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 1 Corinthians, and it's been awesome, and I believe we've learned a lot. I've, you know, I've even learned a lot just studying this stuff out myself, but it's been really, really great, all right? So we're going to get into chapter 13, and we left off uh, chapter 12 talking about the gifts of the Spirit and, and how awesome those are, but check this out, chapter 13, verse 1. In the NLT, Paul says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, if I even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so here's the deal with the Corinthians. They were passionate about flowing in the spirit. They were passionate about speaking in tongues, which I am. They were passionate about the gifts of the spirit, but they were not passionate about loving other people. As we've seen, these people, they fought a lot. Uh, If you go back to the book, uh, the beginning of the book, they fought over, you know, hey, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Paul. Well, you know what? I follow Peter. So take that. They divided themselves as a church amongst who their favorite preachers and teachers were. They They fought about that. We go to chapter 11. They fight over communion. They're bringing their own food. Some people are bringing their own wine and getting drunk in the church at communion time. And so everywhere throughout the book, these people, they were very immature in a lot of ways. They were passionate about a lot of things, but they were not so passionate about actually loving other people. And so Paul's telling them all these gifts are good, you know, and we're going to see in chapter 14, you know, a lot of this stuff. But he's like, if you can, if you've got faith that can move mountains, if you can prophesy until the cows come home, if you can do this, you sacrifice your body. That's all good, but it means nothing if you don't love other people. And that's something that we got to get a hold of here tonight. You may be focusing on, man, if I could just get more faith. Man, if I could just give more. Man, if I could just, how about you start with, man, maybe if you could love other Christians more. Right? Love everybody more. But Paul said in Galatians 6 that you should especially do good under those of the household of faith. All right, let's look at verses 4 through 7. These are the famous verses. These are the ones that you have on a T-shirt, a bumper sticker, and on your refrigerator, okay? So <laughs> here we go. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. I've done a 1,000 sermons on this, so I'm not going to spend all night on these three verses. But you know them. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Can the church say amen? Yeah. I mean, love is not rude. 
And a lot of people don't like to think about that. But if you go around being rude to people, that is not love. And, of course, it's not jealous. It's patient and kind. Look at this. It does not demand its own way. What else about it? It's not irritable. And I just like, I always, that always catches me. How many irritable people do we have in the house? All right, just don't raise your hand, but we know, we know who you are. We know who you are, but, but still, it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Then verse eight in the King James says, love never fails, but All these things are what we just read. This is God's definition of love. And so if you've got some other definition, yeah, I know the word says that, but I think love is really this. Well, guess what? If your definition doesn't line up with this, then your definition is wrong. And what is this we're looking at here? This is the agape love of God. This is the unconditional, no strings attached. Even if you're mean to me, I'll still love you and forgive you. This is God's definition of love. And so anytime that I'm thinking about, man, am I really loving like God loves? Well, am I being patient and kind? Am I being irritable? Am I keeping a record of those who have wronged me? If I'm, if I am, then I'm not doing it God's way. All right. And so let's keep on moving on here because we could, we could do a whole 10 part series on those three verses, but we aren't going to. So verse eight, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages or in other tongues and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Why will love last forever? Because God is love. According to first John four, eight, God is love and he ain't going anywhere. He's going to last forever. So you better believe that love will last forever. Verse nine. Now, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. All right. Now we're going to stop and we're going to explain these verses because verses 8 and 10 are the major verses that people that don't believe in speaking in tongues and prophecy, verses 8 and 10 are two of their main verses that they will use to debate you on. If, if people try to debate you, I don't know, but... People sometimes try to debate me. And uh, and so these are two verses. In fact, I went to a fundamental Baptist high school, not putting down on the Baptists, love them, the best people in the world. But I went to a fundamental Baptist high school. And I remember they, they knew where I stood. My dad was on TV in town. So I kind of had a mark on my <laughs> on my shoulders when I went into that school. They were very well knew that I, we were Pentecostal crazy people. And so anyway, uh, I just remember on one of the, the, I had a Bible test and they wanted me to explain why tongues and all this was not for anymore. And I knew, you know, I'm not going to change their beliefs, but all I could write was, Hey, Hebrews 13, eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Jesus didn't change then the Holy spirit didn't change. And so these things are still for today. I failed that test, sadly, but at the same time, it's all good. But I, I love them. I love them. They know. They know I love them. But these verses are something that a lot of people that don't believe in tongues will use because it straight up says there's going to come a time when tongues are going to cease, when tongues are not going to exist anymore. And I agree. There is going to come a day when tongues cease. 
there's going to come a day when prophecy ceases and they will not exist anymore. But here's the key. Here's the hinges that this door swings on. And it's this phrase right here in the King James. I think it says when that which is perfect has come. The NLT here says when the time of perfection comes, these things will become useless. So this is what it all depends on. What is the time of perfection? What does that even mean? Well, to my study and my understanding, the time of perfection is heaven. When heaven comes, I don't need to speak in tongues anymore.